Hello, all you positive heads. Brandon Beecham and Dalian here. Thanks for joining us for tonight's podcast. I can assure you it's going to be a really special show this evening because we truly have an out-of-this-world guest for you tonight who also happens to be a personal friend of mine, Pablo Miller. Pablo is a shamanic facilitator who specializes in guiding sacred plant medicine ceremonies. And over the last 20 years or so, he's guided hundreds of spiritual seekers and helped them to dive down deep, exploring the vast fields of awareness and expanded states of consciousness. And uh, yeah. Hello, Pablo. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Brother Brandon. Nice to be here. Ah, it's very nice to have you. I've been uh, very much looking forward to getting together with you in particular and and talking about uh, some of the things that we've already addressed in just, you know, private personal conversations and, and exposing some of my listeners uh, to to some of this stuff because it truly is fascinating. And it's something that I haven't talked about that much up to this point is my own uh, interest in using plant medicine to expand consciousness and awareness. And, and I think it's something that in recent years is really starting to get a lot of, a lot of attention and uh, a lot more credibility as, as a tool, not just to party, you know, with psychedelics or what have you. And, and it's for people that are crazy. It's, it's being used and getting, you know, you see a lot of, a lot of studies now and a lot, a lot more credence. And of course, the whole uh, movement with marijuana legalization that's happening and even a bill, I think, to uh, make it legal federally. It's, you know, times are changing. So I think you're going to be a great person for us to to talk with. So, um, so yeah, I guess where to start, you know, at the beginning, how, how did you, how did you get started in, in this work and, and what can you tell us about it? Well, I came to the work, um, you know, through a, a finding, seeking out some deeper spiritual path Mm-hmm. And um, getting in, being in a difficult relationship is a great way to you know be a guiding post in that direction. Aren't they though? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're always the greatest lessons come from those relationships. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you know, I was in a relationship where I was really adored. We, we really, I was in a marriage that was at about seven years, and um, we really adored each other. But the energy of marriage was kind of winding down, and we just weren't sure where to go. And so there was a guy that I had already started doing a little bit of work with, and it was in the um, it was kind of in the Eastern context of um, sort of Ayurvedic medicine oh, okay. work. Yeah. yeah, from India, mm-hmm. sort of the origins of it. And I mean, even though medicine work is and it has similarities everywhere across the planet and its origins are everywhere. Right. Um, every, every place kind of has their, every region has a little bit of their own flavor to the rituals and practices around medicine work. So. So yeah, I came from that sort of um came in through that way through the through the eastern work um medicine work um with a a shaman from India and did that for about 10 years and 10 12 years and then um had so some So you were under you kind of studied under that particular shaman for that yeah, that whole I time did. period. Wow, that's a that's a yeah, long time. Yeah. Yeah, it is a long time. It is a long time. Um but I was, you know, for me, I was really hardcore about it. It was, um, I had found my path and it was a hard, you know, medicine work. It's a hardcore path. It's not for everybody. Sure. You know, uh, but um, for me, it really resonated and really opened things quickly. Yeah. I think yeah. the right type of person for me, you know, when I first ex- experimented with psychedelic substances, 
in my early 20s, like, you know, psilocybin mushrooms and LSD and some things like that. It really, I just had some profound experiences and it's kind of, I've talked to so many people over the years who it's like, wow, I did that mushrooms at one time and it changed my course. And now, of course, they're coming out with all of these studies where, you know, they're seeing how wonderful it is for PTSD and, and depression. And, you know, it's, I love the fact that it's getting, it's, it's, you know, due and getting looked at in a very serious manner, because like anything, if you abuse anything, it's a problem. If I abuse cookies, it's a problem, right? But uh, used in the right context, in the right way. And, and I think with the, the medicines that you're using, they're very, you know, intense, but also the potential, the potentiality is so huge for transformation and, and personal growth. Yeah, it's interesting the way you, um, you brought that up and relative to you're talking about plant medicines, and then at the same time, you're weaving in other substances mm-hmm. that you have worked with in the past and play, played with and worked with, mm-hmm. and you use the word hallucinogen. So I just, I think it'd be an interesting to just kind of dive into that for a second, which, you know, it, there's a lot of misnomer around plant medicines and people's understandings of them. Mm-hmm. And it's why, you know, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of judgment. People have a lot of judgment because they really, you know, people who don't know about plant medicines have it sort of looped into this whole thing of hallucinogenic drugs. And specifically, these really, these healing plant medicines, specifically most of them from the Amazon, mm-hmm. some from Africa and some different places that are specifically healing plant medicines are actually not drugs at all. And nor are they hallucinogens at all. There's a, quite a, a substantial difference between hallucinogens and what we call entheogens. Entheogens are plant healing plant medicines and the everything is different than everything from the routing and that they're natural subs, you know, natural herbal substances to um and the differentiation between that and synthetic drugs. Right. Designed to create an experience and, um, you know, then there's the whole dopamine or serotonin levels drop or there's a flood first. And then so you, everything is exposed and quantified. And then all of a sudden there's a drop. Right. So there's cravings. And then there's that's not how these medicines route. So everything is completely the opposite of how drugs route and create these sort of inauthentic experiences. So that's why when I hear the word hallucinogens, pl- healing plant medicines referred to as hallucinogens or drugs. It rankles me because these aren't anything that any drug user wants to go mess around with. (laughs) If you're looking for, you know, um, hallucinations to escape what's happening deep inside your psyche, then, you know, LSD might be where you go. Mm -hmm. But it's certainly not ayahuasca, for example. It's not something you want to go have a fun trip with. It it just it's there's work involved. Yeah, and totally. there's, these are things yeah. that I think Terrence McKenna was talking about, because I think uh, the word entheogen goes as far back as him. And yeah. the one thing I was going to mention, oh, real quick for for our audience, um, if I sound a little funny, it's because I'm just getting over a cold, so I'm a little. Well, you always sound funny, dealing. Yeah, but you know, extra funny this time, of right, course. Okay. But no, just the word <laughs> entheogen, real quick. I was going to mention. I think uh, really uh, is a construction that means that generates God or that it produces God or produces a, a divine experience. Is entheo, theos being God? I and think I've, I've seen so, that yeah. before too. But uh, I'm sorry. Carry on. <laughs> yeah. No. Good. Yeah. Entheogenic is um they're the they're the healing plant medicines that allow for the layers of physical 
the physical blockages and veils, the layers within us like ego veils and all these things, they allow these to loosen up and sort of melt away. So we have access to everything. Mm -hmm. And that's quite different than creating a hallucination. So when somebody sees something from in, in an entheogenic state, let's call it, um, or in the field or the imetic field, as I refer to it, um, once plant medicine opens things up. What did you call it? I call it the imetic field. Okay. The imetic field. Um, or just commonly referred to as the field. Mm -hmm. You know, things open. Medicines open. The veils go down. And you have access to everything. That's why that also brings up, you know, where time travel comes in. Because That's what I was about to ask you. When you say everything, what yeah. does that mean yeah. exactly? That, that means everything. That just means, like, for example, let's say that the, the Kabbalists, the ancient Kabbalists, the Kabbalah, the Kabbalists, they talk about... That's uh, Jewish mysticism. That's mysticism, yeah. yeah. And they talk about 10 layers of consciousness. Mm -hmm. So, and there's different, different, you know, theories and different um, understandings in Eastern contexts and different philosophies that believe in different, you know, how many layers to consciousness. It doesn't really matter. This is just, you know, metaphorically speaking. So let's say there's 10 layers of consciousness. Well, in physical world reality, we have access to one. Right. When the veils go down, we have access to all those different layers. There's no more blockages us the things that layers that block us from access to everything, including divine information. That's that's the that's the big one, right? So total, and you know, at a certain point in this work, surrender, and and the extent of surrender leads to more and more divine opening and connection. So a lot of people in this work get to experience a closer relationship with whatever they call God, whatever the spirit, God, you know, soul, higher power, universal energy, whatever you want to call it. As higher the sales drop, yeah. you have more access to connect there. And it's, it's quite a beautiful, that's why a lot of people really, that's a big part of this work for a lot of people, a deeper divine connection. Sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, people in general, I think, you know, that is the the common cord between all people of all cultures across time is that searching that longing for a connection to our source and i i am you know have had a few experiences with you uh on on you know in this work and it has truly been uh profound and and that's why i wanted to bring you on the show i think it's something and, and it is something that's getting a lot more more attention i think and a lot more credence i mean i just saw it um Ad for a new movie, uh, Ben Stiller movie, where it's, there's a whole, you know, uh, ayahuasca ceremony that he's participating in and it's in, it made it into the trailer and that, you know, it's, it's reflecting in, in our culture and you're hearing more and more of, about these sorts of things. So I think it's great the way you opened up to kind of differentiate because for people who don't have a lot of experience, um, it can be confusing. It's like, okay, is this like cocaine? Is this like, you know, is this like LSD? Is this like, you know, there, and I think that's an interesting thing, you know, when, when we first met that uh, I was very intrigued by in having a conversation with you, there's, what is it, maybe 30 or so, 20 or 30 different uh, plant medicines that you've worked with and work with. Um, and they're all just natural substances, you know, as they, as they come out of the ground for the most part, correct? Yeah. Yeah, so I guess to really get a, an idea of the context of what you're talking about relative to all these different plant medicines, I can sort of draw, you can sort of, I'll help you draw a visual um, map 
of okay. the way we see it. So if, for those of you just sitting around listening to this, if you can just mm-hmm. picture in your head the yin-yang, picture a circle, the wheel, mm-hmm. the wheel of life, as I like to call it, or, or the map of the universe, as I like to call it, and picture the yin and the yang. And on the, on the right side of that circle is our male side, and on the left side is our female side. And as we build it out, on the top you have mind, and on the, on going down on the right side, you have body, and then you have heart, and then spirit in the east. Okay, so mind, heart, body, spirit continuum around the wheel. And what we say is, and what we believe is that all those different four elements, mind, heart, body, and spirit, all of the healing plants for all of those to heal and integrate are all available in the Amazon jungle. Fascinating. So, and that's just one region. Mm-hmm. So, for example, under spirit, there's lots of different spirit medicines. You have ayahuasca, you have iboga, you have volaconga, you have San Pedro. Mm-hmm. There's just innumerable plants that open up the spirit realms. And, you know, and then in heart, there's lots of plants in the heart realms, you know, sassafras and kana and lots of different ones. And same with body and same with mind. So the beautiful thing about that is not everybody's ready to work with all of the spirit medicines. Every, that can be you know, pretty wild sometimes. Right? And it's, yeah. pretty you know, overwhelming, it's trendy huh? and all that, and you're hearing so much about it. So a lot of people come to the work and they're insistent upon doing that. But yeah, right. then after some deeper reflection and working with some intention and, you know, after we do a little bit of um, beginning work, a lot of people begin to realize that they're not necessarily ready for that and that their healing work is much more, you know, probable to work through the heart and body regions because a lot of abuse that comes up, right? the healing for that needs to actually, it's safer for a lot of that to happen within the heart and body realms because that's where the disconnection is for a lot of abuse victims. So it really varies. So the medicines are around the wheel under the heart, mind, body, spirit, plants that open and heal and and the objective is to integrate as we heal those four, mind, heart, body, and spirit, as well as the male and the female. So that's the context of the plants relative to the work that I'm involved in. Wow. Yeah, that's a that's a great way to kind of paint the picture. And I, I think I, I remember now I've done three journeys with you at this point, all of which have been super healing, really profound, life-changing type work. And it is work, um, but uh, in certainly not for everyone. And I remember us talking about it at one point and you you're saying, you know, you can go to a lifetime of counseling and maybe move from, you know, uh, point A to point, you know, D, whereas you do this sort of work and it's an extreme path, but for the right person who's ready for it and, and, and brave enough to go down that path, I mean, you can go from A to Z and, you know, cover a lot of ground healing, you know, all kinds of things in your subconscious and psyche and from childhood and, and beyond I believe so, you know, and that's something that we'll get into as well. You know, how much of this comes from other, other lives and and things like that. So, um, so yeah, one of the main questions that I wanted to ask you about is, you know, you mentioned being, uh, or describe yourself as a shamanic facilitator, but that's different than a shaman per se. Could you explain the difference? Yeah, sure. So, you know, it's all relative because, you know, the description of a shaman, what a shaman is, is somebody who works in between the realms of sort of mediates between physical world reality and, and the world of spirit and mm-hmm. someone who can operate and navigate within both of those realms simultaneously and at the same time. So 
by that definition, I would be considered a shaman. Mm-hmm. But I have worked under shamans before, and I um I don't like to I, you know I have a lot of um um I really honor the shamans that I've worked under, and the the thing about it is I've come to learn that sh- that shamans come from a lineage of shamans, and there's a lot right. of self appointed shamans around, and it's a little difficult for me, sure, because. Only because I know I have a, it's a little funny place for me. Because you have the experience and and so forth doing the work, but yet you're honoring the fact that it's really a lineage. Or yeah, it's so, like me claiming I'm Native American. Yeah, that's something. cool because you're like honoring the essence of that too, rather than like through ego somehow wanting to claim the title of shaman. You'd rather just yeah, preserve the purity. Yeah, because that's the thing the is nothing to do with ego. What it's about is being able to navigate and operate and guide and facilitate in those realms. That's all it's about. So I work in those realms. I have shamans, what I consider shamans who come to me to work with them in those realms. So I feel honored about, you know, so you about, actually guide them. On I their feel own honored personal to be in that position, but I still don't call myself a shaman. To me, a shaman comes from a lineage of shamans, you know, and, um, and that's just the way I see it. So for me, I call myself a facil. I facilitate in the shamanic realms. I have um, the ability to, to, to do to do, you know, that kind of navigating and work. And so I use that ability to, um, you know, help as many people as I can. And I really, those abilities really, for me, the way I see it as my abilities are really very simple and that they are surrender, the ability to surrender. That's number one for me. So that ability enables me to do the work that I'm doing because the work that I'm doing is I am, I see myself as not so extraordinary of a person. I see myself as just being able to hold surrender to the max. Like if I'm a master of anything, I'm a master of surrender, right? which allows me to be a channel, allows information to come through me. It just allows my connection to the divine to be clearer and mm-hmm. clearer and more open, like crown chakra open absolutely, for whatever is supposed to come through and however. A lot of the work that I do happens um, intuitively at the moment, you know, during the moment. And some of it I can't remember five minutes later, but it was profound and deep and, right. and wild and crazy. So I don't own any of it. You know, I'm, I, I'm just um, I'm just able to surrender and let the information come in. That's really what it boils down well, to. I definitely remember that from the experiences that I've had with you. And it, as I mentioned, they were very profound, you know profound experiences. And if you can imagine, you know, being in a room with other people and it's almost like a a spiritual hospital in a sense, you know, you have all these people laid out and taking maybe different medicines based off of where they're at in themselves. And I thought that was really interesting. You know, so you, you know, from what I recall, you went through that wheel in person with each of us and said, okay, now that you understand what does what, which direction are you going to take your journey? And, you know, Yes, ayahuasca for a lot of people is the, you know, sexy, cool, trendy thing, but that may not be right for you based off where you're at and the work that you need to do. And, and so you'd have some people maybe doing one thing and some people doing another. And, and it's fascinating because you really form a connection with everyone in the room and maybe some person in one corner is going through a lot of working through some trauma from childhood in one corner. Then over here, someone is completely blissed out and, you know, and so you see this full range and you're kind of connected to it all and you go through some of it yourself. And it's, 
it's uh like I said, not for everyone, but for me personally, something that I I is I highly recommend to someone brave enough to go that path. And it, you know, I, I know when uh, I think it was the very first journey that we did together, Pablo. And, um, you know, I remember I had a, a moment of coming up with just fear based thinking, fear based thoughts. And it I went from feeling really good to really you know, having some unreasonable fears and you kind of, and, and one of the things that of course is your job in this scenario as the, as the facilitator is, is guiding people through these tough spots and helping them. And you certainly did that with me. I remember, you know, you just kind of sitting down with me and it was something that has stuck with me ever since. And I think will be with me the rest of my life is teaching me how to take that those fearful thoughts that are really ego based thinking I'm making up these these ideas and these concerns and scenarios of something bad maybe happening to myself or a family member or, and and you helping to guide me through through my breath and taking deep breath and moving that fear from my head into my heart space and I remember at the time it was just like a giant light bulb going on like oh my gosh you know you you told me and basically at the time you don't have to always live in your head like you're doing you can remove that energy that fear energy you're experiencing right now let's together take deep breaths and let's move it into your heart and i literally being in the receptive state you know having done uh, ayahuasca is my my choice of medicines that nice you know uh, such an open state i could literally feel this energy shift going from my head to my heart and as you put it you know now your now your heart knows what to do with that fear the fear is actually a good thing used in the right context it keeps you alert it keeps you you know but when you start twisting it in your head with ego and all these stories you tell you know that's when it gets into something that's really unhealthy and it literally within 10 minutes i went from being almost panicky to uh, well, not almost panicky. I was definitely panicky and not showing a whole lot externally, but it was there and going to this point, this place of, you know, feeling all of my, it, it's almost like my center of gravity instead of being in my head was in my heart. It's almost like if my brain was in my heart and I felt like I was living from there and I just felt so much more stable and relaxed. And, you know, within 10 minutes, I'm we're laughing and you know, I'm feeling good. And it was, you know, that was the extent of my trouble that that particular evening that I went through. And it was just such a beautiful, uh, impactful thing. And now I've taken that lesson away, you know, uh, from that experience. And I use it in my day to day life. Oh, I see myself getting into a state or, you know, a cycle of negative thinking or something. I, I monitor my breath and try and move into to the heart space. And I remember you even talking about, um, you know, when you feel something bubbling up, pull over and actually close your eyes with a blindfold. You know, if you're driving down the side of the road, pull over and actually go in instead of suppressing this fear, like move into it. So um, I want to thank you for that experience, because that's something that, you know, first night we met and this is going back six months or so ago, um, you know, that has stuck with me and really. Been you know, beneficial. that's an interesting thing that you just brought up, because it's a very in Western culture, we are so used to you know, doing one of a couple of things, either running as far away as we can from our fears that come up or burying emotion as it comes up as deep as we possibly can. Right. And the objective now is exactly the opposite, right. is bring it on. It's feel all it's ghosts as still and quiet as possible and uh, let the emotions come up and feel them and don't run from them. 
till they dissipate. That's how you heal. Right. And, so, and, you know, the ego tells us to run. That's the thing. The ego is a whole nother part of the mix, part of the that dance in life, those two voices that we, most of us succumb to because we don't have any awareness that that's the voice speaking in our head and just wrapping us into all kinds of bad decisions and nonsense and um, talk, chatter. And um, it takes a little awareness and a little work to get an understanding and some separation so that you can actually hear that voice mm-hmm. and have some separation from it to hear it as a voice talking within you. Right. That you then have to have this whole dialogue and relationship with that you develop versus you just thinking that you just are who you are and whatever's coming out of you is what's it's coming out of you. It's always you. Yeah. Yeah. It takes some separation from I, me, 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 me. It takes a little bit of interesting work there to have that awareness, but it's a life changing awareness. Oh, yeah. yeah. My first real experience becoming acutely aware of the ego self versus the maybe the higher self or you know my the god consciousness within all of us that's kind of been in the background being drowned out by the ego self for a lifetime and as you put it very well it's like you believe that ego self is 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 you and really you're you're this multi-dimensional being and there's a book that really had a profound impact on me and i know a lot of people because it became such a well-known you know best-selling book the power of now uh, by Eckhart Tolle. I don't know if you're familiar with it or not, but it's all about this subject matter. You know, he was suicidal when he realized I can't, you know, he made the, at the beginning of the book, he says something to the effect of, you know, I just can't live with myself anymore. And then he's like a light bulb went on. Hold on, live with myself. That's almost like I'm two different people, you know, and what, what am I referring to? And then it kind of, a, you know, and then he goes into this whole thing. You got to read the book. I, I highly recommend that. Uh, book to any and everyone about him but i haven't read any of his books to be honest yeah the power of now uh anyone out there listening highly recommend if you want to understand the ego self and how to um you know uh, start down the path of transcending it you know ego everybody's greatest obstacle or edging god out i've heard all these kind of you know uh clever little sayings that go with it and i i certainly with doing the plant medicine work I've had that experience all, all, all the times that I've done it where it's like, uh, you're dealing with, you can notice when you go from like kind of an expanded, um, your higher self coming through and then all of a sudden you're slipping back into ego, which is separate, you know, the separation kind of mentality. And so it's go It's kind of like stepping back and forth between connected with all things, unity, separation, unity, separation. And I think, uh, you know, and it takes a lot of, it takes a lot of stillness and willing to surrender to just be still to because the ego has a timing that it's on. Mm, it yeah, has this natural timing and it's, very, and, and it's completely reactive. So right. that first voice to come up, okay, so I'm talking to you and let's say every couple of words you go, uh-huh, 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 right? So that's the reactive ego voice. It's in the pattern of doing that. You've been doing that for years and years and years. Humans, not uh-huh. you, but humans. <laughs> so, so, so as you're taking, as you're processing and you're doing that, it's like automatic pilot. But the problem with automatic pilot that the ego puts you in there, because it's so slick, the ego's so slick. It's like its job is to, its job, it's, your whole life has been to protect you up to now, the personality, your character, right. protection and all that. But now it's the opposite. Now that higher voice has to take dominion, that authentic soul our voice that's connected to creator. That voice needs to take precedent. So the ego voice figures out every little opening 
the slight. It has every trick in the world. It's so slick. It is the slickest operating thing in the world because it's like it, it doesn't want to lose its its power. Its power. Scene. Yeah, it doesn't want to lose its power. So it knows every loophole imaginable within you. Everywhere you have an opening, yeah, to succumb to some story mm-hmm. or old pattern, it will drag you in there. It will. Oh, open it's all it up. about stories for sure. Yeah, yeah, and it's so slick in that way because just when you think, oh, here's an ego awareness. Oh, I get it. It means this. Well, right there. <laughs> That it means this is another way that it just snuck in a little trick on you to put you back into duality thinking. Yep. It means this because it doesn't mean that. It's right or it's wrong. So as soon as it has the opening, it just puts you right, it just creeps you right back into that whole duality thing of black and white. Yeah. It takes it's pretty you- fascinating because even though I haven't had an experience directly with you, Pablo, relating that to my own experience, um, I-, I was just thinking how like meditation even relates to this a little bit because. You know, like if you're trying to sit there meditating, you're trying to still your mind. But of course, the classical problem that everyone has is your mind just won't shut up. Right. So it just keeps throwing things at you. And now I'm seeing the connection between that and like when you're in a, you know, in a psychedelic or entheogenic induced state where it's perhaps the same mechanism, but amplify times a hundred or a thousand. Right. Where your ego is just throwing things at you, but with vivid images this time, not just like feelings and words. But, you know, but then there's very simple. Then there's some very useful, basic, simple little tools, and that's what a facilitator does. It helps you with, you know, understand these tools of breath being one of them, where you can disrupt that pattern of the ego processing like that instantly within seconds if you choose to. There are people who don't choose to, who want to live because of archetypal, and that's a whole other deal, but archetypal patterns, patternings within the system choose to live into some of those patternings, like victim patterning, let's say. So let's say an energy comes up and it, there's a victim energy and it leads to, and it's, you know, that victim archetype is down there stirring and it takes you, it takes a person into that archetype. By choice, that person has that pull because of that victim, it's going to let that pull happen rather than stepping into its higher purpose, so to speak. It's like, right. It's, so there's choice in there too. That's the free will. That's what we were given. So, you know, we're to step in and evolve, but we're free will beings. So we're, we can stumble all the time and we can stumble for this lifetime and three more lifetimes. Right. um, Away from stepping in. Right. So it's, you know, it's just, it's all, it's so interesting. Yeah. Fascinating. Fascinating. Um, Yeah. I remember you spouting off some, some favorite words at one of the sessions that we did. And it was, if I remember, uh, surrender, breathe, and another that you talked about some was leakage. Um, ah, yes, yeah. yes, good old leakage. I'll just say one thing about breathe, breath. Yes. Because the most, you know, understated, underrated mega tool that we have in our life, because we just take it for granted because we just do it naturally. But when breath is utilized with intention, there's so many things. It's just the most healing thing imaginable. So when it comes to this ego space, the fabulous thing with breath is it's a tool that can trip up our ego processing mechanism and take us back to our default mechanism, which is our higher self. Right. So, but the thing about that is it takes a lot of self-awareness for that to happen. So I'm working with a lot of folks utilizing that. Once the, once it happens and there's an awareness of, oh, 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 I get it. I get it. Cause I mm-hmm. just got it. Then everything changes. Out of then there's new patterning and rewriting that happens. But it takes time. It's like sometimes 
we can advance so quick inside, like with this work in particular, because of it dropping the veil so quick, people make huge advances deep within their within themselves, deep in psyche healing and ancient healing, going back through lineages and time. But often, and most of the time, our ego and our languaging isn't anywhere close to catching up to what's happening on the inside. So sometimes somebody's talking like they're still living a year ago Mm. with their understandings verbally communicating, but inside tremendous amounts of healing and and evolving has happened. And it's like seeing two different people in the same skin because all this stuff is happening, but they're still languaging from their prior. So that's why a lot of integration in between this work is needed because it's so important for all of it to catch up and balance with each other. Right. You know, it's it's so deep and profound happening on so many layers and levels that it needs to all come into balance. That's why people often after a journey, you know, we always have an integration after a journey the next day. Yeah. It's part of the process. Goes back to ancient times across continents, Eurasia, Africa, Middle East, South America, all through Central America. There's always been this integration circle that happens the next day for imprinting to happen because you know, we talk about our share of some of the profound things from our experience and it imprints in our soul when we speak it and it allows for faster integration to happen. But one of the things about that is sometimes people speak because they're excited to speak or because their their ego wants to, them to speak. And it's usually exactly for the reason of creating some separation right. and the ego sees the opportunity. Oh, I like to speak in front of people. Now's my opportunity to go blah, blah, blah. I tell people to hold back a bit on that because I rather you keep that's the leakage, right? That's where leakage. We're going into leakage here, (laughs) right? (laughs) Because if you leak all that information and some of it and most of it, a good chance a lot of it Mm -hmm. is going to be mirrors or projections, and it's going to be what you think you saw, Mm -hmm. and most likely it's not. It's a mirror or projection. You might have seen somebody, but that might have been actually you. So you're referring to like a some sort of a. Maybe a vision Visions that, that someone would have within. under right. you know, when, when Visions that happen journey. within the sacred space. Right. Um, and misinterpretations until enough time and integration happens for things to unfold and open. People get excited and want to go blah, blah, blah. But it's, that's the ego that does that, it leads them down that slippery slope. And it's sure. a dangerous one because then you start, you're actually imprinting stories that very likely are not accurate. Mm-hmm. And then you've now imprinted more stories more stories that need to like be extricated or rewritten. <laughs> right, right. Know? So it's like, you know, you got to be really careful. That's why it's such a delicate, deep and delicate process on so many directions. Most people don't, you know. <laughs> that's- you truly are an expert from my experience of pointing out when someone is going, you know, I remember particular uh, moment where I was real excited about something that I'd seen or happened, which I'm very prone to do with my personality type. And I come over to you, you know, in, in the journey space. I'm like, look, Craig, you, um, you know, all you guys got to come over here and, and check this out. And you're like, hold on deep breath, you know? Okay. Now start over. <laughs> and I'm like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. This feels a little less uh, chaotic and, and, you know, yeah, the breath, it's just magical. It just changes everything. Yeah. Utilizing the breath. It's just, it's so healing and change. Yeah. I can't emphasize it enough. Yeah. Like I said, with that, using that technique of deep breathing and then also moving into the heart center and away from, because we're all so much in the head and you, you know, you and I've talked about that as well as the society in general, we're 
so much in the head. And when you focus on, you know, moving into the heart, which actually has brain brain cells in the heart. I don't know if you're aware of that or not. And and actually, um, the heart, from what I've heard, sends twice as many signals to the brain as the brain does to the heart. So that's a really interesting, you know, idea that a lot of people don't aren't aware of. And and you can go back to old texts, ancient texts, where they're talking about this sort of thing, living from the heart, like, as if it's the brain, it's the center of the oh, body. I'm just fascinated by the heart, you know, in general, as that concept of like, you know, this organ that's just, you know, possessor of a higher intelligence somehow, you know, like right. it's just that whole idea is just. Awesome. Well, shamanic processing, it's interesting. It's another thing about shamanic processing. Shamans and shamanic folk process information different than in the West. In the West, we're like you just said, we're so used to processing our head processors. Right. And we're also, we judge ourselves based on our head, how intelligent we are, how many degrees we have, how much money we make, all based on how smart we are. So, like, it's such a part of, you know, our identification of who we are as a culture and as individuals. and in shamanic cultures across the planet, they're not head processors. They're body heart processors. That's how it works. I mean, it's, it's all about the heart and the body, and it's taking in information. So information obviously comes into our ears, and our mm-hmm. minds start to make sense of it. Our, that's what consciousness does. But shamanic processing, it's almost like 20% comes in the ears, if you were just going to break it down. I mean, this mm-hmm. is just an obscure breakdown. Mm-hmm. But it's like 20, 25% of the information comes in and starts processing the mind ears. 40% start, comes into the heart, immediately starts processing in the heart-mind space. That's 40, that's 60, that's 70. And another 30% comes into our body. It's like the mind is the least, then the body and the heart's the most. And it all processes within the mind but those particular, you know, regions. So shamanic processing of information is quite different. So I've been, that's been happening for me for quite a while. And it's quite beautiful because you, it's, and it happens in the quiet. It's just like that great old Rumi quote, you know, God's voice is in the silence. God's language is in the silence. It's like processing body and heart is in the silence as well. Right. You can hear it in the wind. You can always hear it in the wind. It's really incredible. Information is, all around us and accessible everywhere. And when we quiet, the quieter we get, the more we can hear. Right. It's really, you know, shamanic processing is, is it, it's all experiential. That's the thing about shamanic experience. It, it's just, it's experiential. It's about feeling and experiencing, you know. Sh- um, and it makes it hard to talk about to some degree because a lot of it is like, you have to experience. Right. It's so subjective. Uh, you know, I've had yeah. some interesting converse, conversations with uh, colleagues and so forth and who um, are intrigued by the idea, but there's a lot of like questioning and maybe skepticism and things like that. And it's like, it's hard. I can only say so much with words to try and explain the experience until you have experienced, you know, um, this this path to some degree. And of course, for me, it's it's been minimal compared to you and probably a lot of people that you know but it's certainly um certainly something that uh, must be experienced i think to, to fully you know, understand another beautiful thing brandon what you were talking about heart you know that's the problem with the planet that to me that's the big problem in the planet today so you have all this ego processing and pillaging going on on the planet and there's just not enough heart happening and you know, there's a lot of people do, you know, the planet is waking up at the same time. There's 
There's all the balance that's happening. There's light and darkness. Hey, you Absolutely. know, if there's duality. It is all here right it now. It sure <laughs> as heck is. There's some certain <laughs> no integration there. Because yeah. I can relate to what Brendan was saying earlier. I'm definitely, um, I think I've always considered myself much more of a cerebral person. But um, as an artist, I acknowledge that I also have a little bit of the intuitive, quite a bit really of the emotional, intuitive, yeah. subconscious really side. Yeah. Yeah. But um, the one thing that I'm searching for now is that integration because I'm, I'm sure that it's not there. Well, so what I say to that is my, my, and, and I don't know, I don't know beans, by the way, I don't know beans. I'm just, I'm (laughs) sharing my thoughts and my experiences. So my thing to that is, so we've spent our whole life in our head. The head needs no extra attention at all anymore. It's going to do its beautiful thing. So now what does that mean? That means the integration is going to happen naturally, but you have to go to the heart. It's all heart from now on. That's what that means. It's all heart. Because the mind has expanded, it, and it's only going to expand in relation to the heart now. Ex- the expansion of the heart to take in information will allow the mind to expand more. Otherwise, the, the mind is it's always going to do its natural, beautiful thing. It needs no more attention. Yeah, It needs to expand with knowledge from heart. So that's all about heart. So it's like dedicating the rest of your life to a relationship with your heart from now on. It's like a new relationship. Because the, the head stuff only gets us so far. It's like there's the soul line and the goal line. The goal line, the head has gotten us with our ego along the goal line, the jobs, the schooling, the money, all the money, relationships. That's all the, 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 what I call the goal line stuff. And this ego and the mind take us down that. Then the intersecting line is the soul line. And that's nothing to do with the head. That's all about the heart yeah. and surrender, surrendering the ego, the I know everything to to you know higher source giving it up to divinity basically and opening that channel so it's kind of it's kind of like no more head yeah it's all heart the rest yeah. of the time the rest i think of the once steel. you start getting a taste of that there's just such a beauty and sense of relief and love that comes through the heart that you just yeah. can't get with all this brain ego mind processing that is you know we're we're used to you know, yeah, and that's not to say because a lot of people take that as, oh, you're saying, you know, don't use your head, just shut absolutely. off all your. No, right. What's that? I say absolutely, yeah, it it has its place, and it's nothing to do with that. It's about going to the heart. Yeah, the mind will always do its beautiful thing, but let's stop identifying ourselves with how brilliant we are. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. yeah, that's absolutely it. That whole ego identification. It's yeah. just like you were saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw I saw an interesting quote the other day yeah. that I really resonated with, and it said something to the effect of, "When I was young." I admired intelligent people. As I grow older, I admire kind people. And, you know, that kind of says it. It's like you start moving away from, oh, it's not all about how smart you are and your brain power and, you know, what you can manipulate for yourself and and, and what have you. It's more about how much heart-centered of a being are you and how much. And, 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 you know, the difference is separation and unity when you – I love this whole line of work because it ties in so closely with my belief in the oneness of all things. All is literally one act accordingly, you know? So if, if we all lived by that instantly and instead of creating separation with ego, uh, my ego and I'm competing with you, it's all about collaboration and you're another me and another, just in another body, the same consciousness in two forms. And we started acting as if that were the underlying, you know, uh, the underlying principle of every interaction, it would change the world instantly. World hunger would be gone tomorrow. Wars would be gone tomorrow, you know? And I think the, this, 
sort of work is a great way to help steer. I, I hope to see it expand to more and more people, you know, to get the opportunity. Well, it is, um, it is expanding quite a bit now these days, you know, it's like, it's, there's, a, there's, <laughs> it rattles my cage in all directions that to see it like, you know, in movies now and just talked about everywhere. I mean, there's, um, you know, there's probably, you know, a hundred thousand to 300,000 shamans just in Los Angeles alone. Really? That many? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I would have never that's guessed. a lot. Well, I'm exaggerating. Yeah, quite yeah. A yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> there's a bunch. That includes wannabe shamans. Yeah, yeah, totally. And totally. all kinds. Anybody who thinks they fall under the title of shaman. I took mushrooms once. I'm a Those shaman. very numerous. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it, it, it definitely seems to be a trend, you know, as I mentioned. You know, with the whole movement of, you know, medical marijuana and that being, you know, really loosening up. And I know there is some, even in the States, there's a, a religious organization yeah. who can administer uh, ayahuasca, I believe, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, for, for religious purposes, correct? Yeah, there's the, there is, there's the church, the Santo Daime Church, right. which is um, basically a um, religious started in um, Brazil, you know, a Christian religious organization that started interesting that is Christian based started using ayahuasca's sacrament. And um, yeah, and there's a lot of they sing Christian hymns and it's a it's a very Christian based mm -hmm. um sacrament. Um it's and it's very interesting. And they actually have become have brought it to the States mm -hmm. and taken it they took it through the court system and actually, you know, got it approved legal Wonderful. for the use as a sacrament in mm -hmm. their religious practices. And that is actually opening up the field for um, others, yeah. um, organizations and communities that use plant-based sacraments, mostly and ayahuasca in particular, um, to develop these cases and move it through the courts to legalization. So it's really opening up. It's quite an incredible time right now, um, the pace of which that is happening so right now. So exciting. Yeah, I think you're, you know, and with that and because of that, I think you're going to see so many people uh, introduced to the work that never would have had the opportunity or even considered it, you know, even years ago. Yeah. Five years ago, who, you know, the person who may be experiencing one of these journeys, you know, in the very near future probably thought they would never, ever even consider it. But because it's becoming more, you know, more widely known, more understood the benefits and, you know, with each story, I think, I don't know what your, you would probably be good to answer this. I mean, with all the people that you've seen go down this road, would you say, what would you say percentage wise are really happy that they did as far as the personal benefit that it brought to them versus, the, versus those that said, oh my gosh, that was an awful experience. I should have never no, done that. I would say that inevitably almost all of them are, are grateful and glad they had the experience. Wow. Most of them come back to the work and do it on a continual basis. People that says it all right there. Yeah, right? Yeah, most, right there people, most of them, most exactly. people fall into doing it like every get, they get into a group and they, you know, with people that they did it with once or twice, they, be, they sort of develop a little family because doing such deep work with somebody else. You get to know people really quick yeah. at their core, even without any conversation between you. Absolutely. You get to know somebody super deep. And, and then they come back about every eight weeks, eight to 10 weeks, people are on regular basis doing it. Wow. Um, yeah. So it's, it's pretty interesting in that way. Um, and all kinds of different work, all kinds, you know, there's so many beautiful paths. This just happens to be a very radical path. And so a lot of people come back to it because, 
so much strips away and opens up so fast. And it's quite scary for a lot of people. But even as they work through their fears, um, they feel and notice such difference on a deep level. So, so much lighter from, from stuff really working itself out in the system. Mm-hmm. really working itself out. It's, you know, it's that, that was one of my, and sorry to cut you off, but yeah. you just hit on something that was really profound for me. Um, two biggest things was learning how to move into my heart center more using breathing techniques to do so. And um, also dealing with fears on a couple of the occasions and actually having an experience of, of feeling like I'm not going to say I have no fear and I'll never fear anything again, but I felt like there's some major movement for me and, and no longer fearing fear, you know, and I know that's almost a cliche, you know, we all know the famous, the only thing to fear is fear itself, but that is true. And I feel like we've rewritten that one though. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. How did it go? It's actually shouldn't, it's not the only thing to fear is fear. It should be the only thing to fear is the fear of fear. Right. Right. Ah. Ah. Very profound. Yes. It is We've profound. rewritten that. I'm not sure if that was Winston Churchill or John F. Kennedy, but by gosh, we got you beat now. <laughs> Take that. Fear history books. <laughs> New ones for, for the history books. So we talked a little bit also about mapping. Uh, I think you referred to it as mapping human, human energy dynamics. So what can you tell us about that? Yeah. So mapping, mapping, mapping is something that's... Um, been with me for a while and it's been one of those things that has been my one of my um sort of divine divine um fabulous sort of um how do i explain it it's been a travel for me and it's been um a beautiful pathway for me mapping human energy dynamics and it allows me to and it happens on a lot of levels and it happens in the ancient times you know it's it's going to be hard for a lot of people to grasp what mapping means to me um but it's in the ancient it's mapping ancient cultures movement of energy from ancient cultures mm-hmm. through individuals that are sitting with me and I'm working with right here and now wow it's um understanding it's intuitive understanding of energy where you can see it and feel it and when and especially in the med- in the medicine field in the plant medicine field Mm-hmm. Um, being able to map energy allows me to see where people are going with their wounds and their traumas and it, and enables, um, information to come in to help them heal those wounds along that path. So we can sort of see where things are going and we can map, um, energies and healing pathways along their journey by tracking and mapping the energy along the way. So it's kind of like um, diagnosing things as they're happening. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Even though I sort of get what you're talking about, because of course, you know, I won't, you know, I haven't done the work. Yeah, you've done, sense, though, but, but yeah, but you get a sense, sense of what I'm saying. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's kind of an interesting, it's an, it's an art and it's an intuitive. It comes in through um, intuition. And everybody, you know, all energy workers and facilitators have their individual gifts. And we all have a lot of things that we do that cross over, understandings that cross over. But then a lot of us have, you know, our openings, our karma, which has led us to our openings. Yeah. 
and we all have our little beautiful gifts. And so I think for me, um, intuitive understanding and reading of energy is where my gifts lay. Like an example I gave earlier, how to kind of navigate me very, I mean, it was a very smooth navigation. I went from panicky to literally 10 minutes later, like that's laughing and feeling relaxed as could be. And you just guided me out of it. Because I could see what was coming up within your system energetically. I could see it and read it. Mm -hmm. And then I, I know that I, and I could feel the pathways to get it to turn and flip and morph into positive healing energies that you could then grasp and utilize in a positive way. So that's what mapping human energy on, on lots of layers and levels is about, but in the field with all these, all the veils gone. And when you say in the field, you're referring to the imedic field, Mm -hmm. the when the veils are all gone and we're, and the medicine is fully open. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, that's what spirit workers do, spirit medicine workers. So there are different kinds of people who work within the shamanic fields that, that have their expertise, as different I was talking about. Different strengths, and yeah. And some people work more, are more in the holding heart space region, you know, like more motherly, loving. And they can, and then there are some that are more um, spirit mappers. I'm, I fall into the realm of like spirit navigating, and mm-hmm. that's sort of where my thing is. So um, that's more... From, comes from the opening and field of what's where spirit medicines go and open. And that's a huge um, map to work within because, right. because within, this, within the spirit medicine openings, the whole wheel, the whole context of the entire wheel is within it. So mind, heart, body, and spirit are all within the field of spirit medicines. Um, so it's a ginormous map. As opposed to, for example, through the heart medicines alone, all of the healing and the opening comes directly sort of through a linear path through the heart. It then opens into the spirit realms, but it's directed through the heart specific, whereas the spirit medicines Interesting. open up the ginormous field that everything is within. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like you're dealing with the entirety of human uh, experience there, which is just exactly unfathomable. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so that's why the wheel, the significance of the, of the wheel and mapping the universe is really, yes, mapped through that simple circle. Because not just you have mind, heart, body, and spirit around there, but you put the seasons around there and the elements around there and, 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 and the archetypes around there, everything around the wheel, you can map the universe. Right. Fascinating. Quite interesting. It's quite fascinating. So... As far as, you know, the, then this gets into an area that I'm very interested in. I always want to hear stories of synchronicity or, um, you know, positive paranormal experience or real magic as I refer to it. Um, and I think you have no shortage of stories, either personal or from people that you've seen, you know, one of the, one of the very interesting things that can happen with some of the spirit medicines is that it is opening you up to all this level of information and access to higher realms that we, you know, normally in our, our waking normal consciousness, you know, don't necessarily have access to, although there are a lot of people who have that, that in, in their normal waking consciousness as well. And more and more, I believe, but so what kind of, uh, interesting stories can you tell us that you've seen over the years, you know, Here's a quick, interesting one, a life-changing um, 
sort of visionary um, experience that I had. I have had a few biblical ones, maybe oh, just a handful of ones over the years. And I had one that was really life-changing for me. I um, was sort of floating over this scene. And this, I believe this is kind of in the, in the context of time travel. Now, can we preface this real quick? And one thing that we haven't explained is, you know, uh, when Pablo is leading a, you know, ceremony, one thing that you're a real stickler about, and I don't think all facilitators are, is staying down with your eyes closed as much as possible. Because when you're up and about and talking to, to someone else there, your now ego is is more, you know, in the driver's seat when your eyes are open, as you've put it. And uh, to me before, and if you're staying down with your eyes closed, no matter what's coming up, even if it's something painful to work through or what have you, stay down. So yeah. when you tell this sort of story, it's it's not like you're upstanding staring at the wall and seeing this vision it's rather in the mind's eye with your eyes yeah, closed so for example th- these couple stories were when i was sessioning not when i was facilitating okay because when i'm facilitating i'm pretty much most of the time not on medicine right only once in a while am i on medicine when i'm with a group that i'm very comfortable with that are fr- old friends sure then i can facilitate on medicine Sure. Um, but generally speaking, you know what to expect from those people because you've yeah. journeyed with them enough and there's not going to be anything. To I know that there's not going to be anything that I'm going to have to worry about. Right. Yeah. Um, this has happened a handful of times um, where I've had these these biblical sort of experiences, visions. And these happen when I'm in session. Um, this one in particular was really life changing. And it's not that complex. It's quite simple. But it's quite. It's always been a little unnerving whenever I relive it, and I have only told a couple people this. And this is this one happened many years ago, probably fifteen years ago. Oh wow! And um, one of those real life changers um, that I don't share with many people. So now I'm going to share it with the public for the first time. <laughs> um, yeah, you're about to share it with a lot of people. So. And what that experience um, was was I saw myself. Um, I experienced myself as observing myself floating, sort of like in the ether above this desert scene and I saw this man and I could tell that it was a biblical setting because these when I've had these biblical visions before they they always have this sort of context to them that's very similar and this one was a kind of desert with like little mountains mm-hmm. and there was a guy sitting and he was chiseling something mm-hmm. and there was a boy sitting at his knee Mm-hmm. on the ground as he was chiseling. And all of a sudden, this voice came in and said that this was the Book of Formation. And I didn't have any idea what the Book of Formation was. Mm-hmm. And um, as I came out, the word Kabbalah was in was really coming in strong. Okay. So it turns out that what I believe that I saw was I had a vision of Abraham. Oh, wow. With... Um, I believe it was Isaac sitting at his feet and he was chiseling 72 words, which were the book constitute the book of formation. And those 72 words were later in the 1300s, I believe around 1354, if I'm not correct, those 72 words, all those thousands of years later in the year 1354 were translated into 22 22 volumes that are known as the sacred Zohar, the texts of oh, right. the Kabbalic texts, oh, the yeah. Zohar it's by all Isaac Luria. from those 72 wow. original words by Abraham. Wow. So I saw that in a vision because I didn't know anything about Kabbalah. And then that took me to study Kabbalah for the next seven years, like just oh, a wow. mad infusion of Kabbalic information. Wow. 
So that's what my journey has been like. It's been a series of teachers and methodologies coming in and and doing the plant work, the plant medicine work in between to allow enough expansion within myself to be able to hold all the beautiful information that I take in. So seven years, next seven years were then studying Kabbalah. So it led you, in a sense, you saw this vision, yes. which got you very curious and led you to something that yeah, ended it didn't up even get me curious. It was just something that had to have, it was like, I, this, I have to do this, obviously. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a matter of curious so much as it was. Well, I say that because it kind of stimmed your investigation of- It was like you know, a Ben Stiller movie where that, you know, the next sign was written on the hill. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, what's well, the name Walter of that movie? Mitty. Yeah, Walter Mitty. It was like the woman showing up to play a song and the, that was the next sign. For me, that vision was the, clearly the next sign. Yes. The next thing I had to absorb in my, on my path. And that's been beautiful because that all that information is divine information. And I just was able to, you know, develop my tools to, to tune out the dogma and the nonsense relative to the personalities and the, the BS going on there and just take in the beautiful information because the information is extraordinary. It's divine information. Wow. Beautiful. So, but the nonsense going on there is meaning the major Kabbalah center, there's, you know, mm-hmm. the, it gets the whole thing. Ego comes, it's finds ego, its way it's, in. It's and egocentric <laughs> and their whole thing is about there. We have no ego. There is no ego, battle ego, but they're, you know, yeah, it's like they're all human. And so ego is a big part of the deal. Um, but anyway, the information is divine. So it did that. And then, so I went from studying under the Eastern context of medicine work to Kabbalah. And then that, right after Kabbalah, I found my teacher, um, of Amazonian lineage oh, and, and the work became based on the Peruvian Amazonian. So you really got all you Cross covered. The, yeah. Yeah. Yes. And not with not, and that wasn't the intention, mm-hmm. but it's interesting that that's the case because I, my work previous to previous to this and intertwined with this takes me across the planet all the time, dealing with different cultures for the last 30 years. So right. it's been a natural, um, you know, they, it all works together. Yeah. Natural progression and of yeah. what you need to learn when you need to learn it. And you just, like you said, like Walter Mitty, I've seen that movie. It's actually, I really enjoyed it. That was, yeah, it's a good, <laughs> but I haven't seen that one, but it's, I've heard it's one that, um, it's a Ben Stiller yeah, yeah, yeah. movie for sure. Yeah. And it, yeah. it kind of goes along with this last one you guys were talking about as far as like opening up the door to certain, I, I, you know. I imagine he's, and it seems like I've heard somewhere that he's someone that, uh, and of course it's in the latest trailer. Uh, I think it's called why we were young or something like that. There's a whole ayahuasca yeah, scene. To, so yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, a lot of people in Hollywood and, yeah. and people, I think, uh, the general public would be really surprised with some of the high level people and, you know, governments. Extremely surprised. And, yeah. I wish I could just rattle off the whole list of the ones that I know. Cause your, your mouths would drop open. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and I can't do that, but it's, um, it's extraordinary. Wow. I'm working with a handful of them myself. Right, right. And it's pretty extraordinary. So, um, so yeah, that's that's a definitely an interesting uh, interesting story there. And I know you had mentioned, you, well, you said to me- bring up the snake man again. Uh- <laughs> snake man. Oh, here's another great story. So the snake man. So this was when I was facilitating. And this guy was on spirit medicines. He'd done ayahuasca before, but mild doses. So I decided, and not with me, but I trusted, and I decided to give him a little bit of a stronger dose. Uh-huh. 
And what happened was his abuse opened up that he didn't, that was so buried deep in his psyche that he had no idea about. So his, um, and it was physical abuse. He was, comes from a culture, he comes from Haitian culture. That's which, a fascinating thing, though. And it's something you said to me before, sorry to interrupt, is you know, people that don't even realize that there's been abuse that's happened to them, yeah. um, sexual abuse or physical abuse or whatever. And then, you know, when you're doing the work, all of a sudden it surfaces so that you can work through it. And you, you mentioned to me that you see that a lot more yeah. than you think. And depending on, depending on the level of abuse, it huh. could be very dangerous. Right. So that's why I try to um, have enough dialogue beforehand where I get a sense of if there's some physical or or really violent sexual abuse, and then we don't go the tract of um, ayahuasca. We go through heart and body medicines. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but um, so the snake man, um, all of a sudden his abuse started opening up, and he approached two women in the kitchen, and he slapped one of them really quick. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so I grabbed him, and um, fortunately it wasn't a hard slap, but, it was very interesting because this was a guy who um, was super sweet guy. Like nobody had any inkling whatsoever. <laughs> wow. We'd known him for a while. Yeah. And, um, and then it opened up. And the thing is, he's a very muscular, uh, an African-American chap, extremely muscular, like looks like a football player. Oh, muscular. Right? <laughs> You're like, oh, man. <laughs> but as sweet as could be, right? Yeah, yeah. So that happened. So then the whole energy um, shifted and I had to um, take him into another room and, um, and work with him. And when I got him to lay down on the floor, he started getting aggressive with me mm-hmm. and he started wrestling with me. Oh, wow. So I actually w- went into this wrestling match with this guy and when he got behind me at one point, and he bit into the skin on the back of my back here. Boom, he wow. sunk his teeth into my back, my upper back. Wow. And so I was really measuring him up to see what I was going to have to deal with as this is all going on and we're wrestling a little bit. Uh-huh. And I looked back and so I kind of did a little maneuver and I was able to get him, like get into a mount position on him uh-huh. where he was kind of subdued. But I was at the same time kind of testing him, seeing how much he was putting into it. Well, because you're not a small guy either, so that right, was like right, two, right. <laughs> right. So, two big so guys going at it. That'd... All of a sudden, I'm face-to-face face with him, and when something like this happens, what had to happen there was I had to match his energy mm-hmm. um, because that was the way to diffuse what was going on. It needed mm-hmm. to be an energy matching. So as I was on top of him, we, I locked into his eyes. What was fascinating was his eyes were total snake eyes. Wow. His eyes had become non-human eyes. They were completely snake eyes. Whoa. I was, when I looked at him, and that's when I understood he had morphed into a snake. He had morphed into a few different animals. <laughs> wow. But then at one point he became snake, and he was in snake when he slapped this girl really quick. Wow. And he was in snake while he was wrestling me, and he sunk his teeth into me. Wow. And I noticed when he had, in between sinking his teeth into me in that episode, he was making snake hissing noises, but it was when I looked in his eyes and saw snake eyes, I was like, okay. He's, and you were facilitating. I was facilitating. So he had were... completely gone into snake consciousness. Wow. That animal from the jungle had taken over him. And the thing was. What a trip. Why that had happened, you know, it opened through the abuse piece that opened up within him. Uh-huh. And then he mor- was morphing between human and snake. So Have you just, ever seen anything like that? I've seen other since? interesting things, but not this specific. Right. Um, so it was just interesting to observe. Then I had I met the energy, and so he went. He backed. So it backed off. So it was like the snake met an equal predator, and then went 
went um, soft. Mm-hmm. So that's what calmed that whole energy down. Then he went into a looping pattern, a voice looping pattern. So I just put him in another room after that and stayed with him, put another guy with him for a little while, and it was all good because that looping pattern didn't have any violence in it. Good. So that was okay. But um, so that's another interesting. Yeah. Well, especially because you were in a completely interesting. You know, you were, had taken no kind of medicine, and yeah. to, to to see that. So any it just goes to show you that you know when all the veils are down, anything is possible. Time travel, you know, um, becoming other um, beings, be experiencing other beings within us, experiencing animals, morphing through the animal kingdom. It's all there to be had. Wow. Yeah. And, and and when you say, you know, morphing into typically it's like taking on the energy of the consciousness, that, the consciousness of that animal. Yeah. Yeah. And, and somehow there's a connection between. Either yeah, that's the, where, well, that's where when all the, when all the layers are down and all the veils are down, that's where we're, we're our own consciousness, but we're much more in the collective consciousness. Yeah. So it's in the collective consciousness and that's going to lead me to my next really cool story that I'm about to tell you. It's in that collective consciousness that we can pick up anything. We might experience a past life in there. And a lot of people get locked into, oh my God, I just experienced my past life. One of my past lives. That's a common, and I common experience. And I always tell them to chill on that. Don't talk, say that yet, because it's very likely that in this field, you're actually experiencing somebody else's past life and it's not yours. Mm-hmm. So just wait till we get more understanding on that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So for example, um, I did have a, a, another beautiful experience where I was, it was completely, the field was wide open. And there was, I could tell that there was, I was so wide open that anything and everything was possible. All information was possible to come in, like any, beyond my wildest dreams, anything. It was just like a wide open vessel. So all of a sudden, I see like a bandwidth of energy floating somewhere up up above me in the universe. And I see things floating in it and through it. Looks like people and animals, cultures are just moving through this bandwidth. So I navigate up to it and I start to get the understanding and realization that 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 particular field is the collective unconscious field. Around that and below that and elsewhere, there's other stuff going on, but there's this field and there's a lot of movement in it. So then I was able to navigate into it and this, this man came to me face to face and he was, it was a very like, tears started to flow for me it was a very deep like meeting wow and um so he had a very native american sort of face dark skin what it was was he was the chief of an ancient alaskan whaling culture oh wow and he came to me he was stuck in this collective unconscious zone he couldn't move through and he was just face to face I was observing my face and his face, like forehead to forehead. Uh-huh. And he said to me that he needed help, that he was stuck in this space and couldn't move through because the history books had erased his culture from history. There's been no acknowledgement of his culture throughout history, just erased and vanished. Wow. And it existed for about maybe 200 to 250 years. So it was a short period. Yeah. So then as he put his head to my head, he showed me the entire history of his people in about eight, ten seconds. It was a scan from left to right, wow. and it was just wow. And it was like two hundred and fifty years of history. Just showed me the history of his people, 
you know about that culture more than any other person alive. But I couldn't Revelry, tell you right? anything about that culture because it happened in this zone. Mm-hmm. I wasn't supposed to remember those things, but it was all for the purpose of healing mm-hmm. this guy. And so what happened was then my tears were just like nonstop. Wow. And I, and I could see tears on him. And I said, and I gave him what he needed. I said to him something like, I understand what you need, my friend. And I recognize you. I recognize your beautiful people. I recognize you as a beautiful leader. And I said a few more words and then he moved through. Wow. That enabled him to move through. He just needed some recognition that his people existed. Before he moved on, he felt like he could move on. He was stuck in this collective unconscious zone. He couldn't move through. Wow. That's really cool because. Yeah, it, you know, you you are a shamanic facilitator for people on this side of the fence, but apparently you are for them oh, too. Oh yeah, I hadn't so. even thought about it quite like that, but they asked. Yeah, um, yeah, that's a cool story. I'm glad I got to share that. That came up because that was a really oh, that's, that's a, a really, really cool, cool one. Yeah, that's yeah. a really really good one. Um, did you want to say anything more about uh, the? You had said something about a family that came to you, or or like loved ones, lost loved ones, or people that are passed over. Did I could you tell want you to... that story? I could tell okay, you that so, one too. Yeah, you had mentioned one other story as well. I, I I remember in regards to I think it was people that had recently crossed over. If I or yeah. sometime, yeah. you know, modern man, I guess. Yeah. So I had an interesting one. I I've only ever experienced this once. I hear about people experience it all the time. About you know people in their lives who have passed away and they've come back to visit or had experiences of, you know, people who have passed direct experiences with them. And I have never had those until this one session. This is about just about six months ago. Oh, wow. Um, at a large men's group, I was not, I was facilitating, but I was just co-facilitating because I was doing, I was DJing all the music for the, for the event. Um, and that's a whole nother little story because the music, is what guides the journey for my for my sessions. Um, but so I was co-facilitating, but I was allowed to go very deep in. I was put in the corner of this room, and so everybody was told stay away from that room. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let Craig do his thing, and, he, and he's also going to be guiding for everybody else with the music. So I went in super. Uh, I wanted to go in super deep that night. Um, I had just lost a friend of mine six months before, who was really kind of haunting me a bit, and I he died of cancer. Um, and I had been kind of by his bedside for about a year. He was a guy I grew up with since I was a little kid. Uh-huh. And so I went into this journey and without it being an intention or anything, two thirds of the way through the journey, all of a sudden some folks came to visit. Wow. <laughs> and it was very interesting. I was in this room and there was a couch in the corner of the room. And all of a sudden, um, at the first one was my grandfather. First one was a grandfather. Oh wow! Uh, and um, who came in, kind of flew around the room, and then sat down on the couch in front of me. It was very interesting. And then was my, he like you could see with your eyes open in this case? I my eyes were closed, but I was sitting up I because see. it was like it was pretty unbelievable for me. Uh huh. And my eyes though were closed because they're always closed when I'm in journey space. I keep my eyes covered, even if I get up to do stuff. I keep my eyes covered so that I don't have the outside interference. Yeah. You know, as soon as you open your eyes and start engaging, the ego, you're coming out layer by layer, you're coming out and out, and the ego's engaging, and it's just... So I always go for that deeper experience when I'm actually doing it myself. Yeah. And um, so my grandfather came in then. Before I knew it, my grandmother on the other side came in, and her 
and my grandfather, her original husband, came in. So there's three of my grandparents sitting on the couch in front of me. Wow. Ex- seriously extraordinary. And then my buddy Mark, who died of cancer, all of a sudden I see this like giant eyeball with a cape. It looked like a white cape covering with just this giant eyeball and this like white sort of uh-huh. capey thing. And it starts flying around the room, bouncing off the walls. And I'm like, who, what is this? Who is this? Yeah. And my grandparents are sitting there quietly on the couch looking at me, smiling. And as and soon as this ball goes over to the couch and lands by them, it then morphs into my friend Mark. Wow. And I had a, just a full conversation with all these beings. Really? And it was extraordinary. You just talk to them like you would talk to, like just, we're talking now? Just talk to them like we're talking now. But it was sort of, it was more surreal. Yeah. You know, it was so surreal. And. My grandparents all kind of had the same thing. They were all super happy watching me wow. do the work that I was doing. They were like so happy wow. that I was doing what I was doing. It was extraordinary. And my buddy, he was a hardcore drug addict. He became a crackhead. I grew up with his whole family. Oh, man. And he, he sat there smiling, saying that he was really happy and healthy now, really happy to be having moved through this life. He yeah. couldn't conquer it. Yeah. And so he gave me some, then he gave me some information to take to his sister and father. Oh, wow. But he knew that it was going to be too difficult for his father to hear something like, oh, you know, I just talked to your son. <laughs> yes, right. So he, so I told his sister about this because she could kind of take it in. And he, I told her that he wanted me to tell her that he was totally okay now. The addiction is over and he's really happy moving into wherever he's moving into. And so I was able to tell his sister that and she was able to take that in and understand that. So that was really kind of a a beautiful little thing to be very able to powerful. give that like, information to, to his sister. Was, was, she was very receptive to it. and Yeah, she was receptive to it. And it's not like me, like, because that's, that's one of those territories that I, you know, I would keep kind of quiet about because I've never had that connection in that territory. So for me, it's a little bit like, eh. You know, so it was not easy for me to give her that information, but it felt so authentic to me and real that I felt like it needed to be given to her. Beautiful. Yeah. Very beautiful. So that was my experience with souls that have um, moved through. And and you had mentioned, you know, time travel as as something that you threw out. And how does that, and of course, a lot of people are interested in, and you had also thrown out past life experiences. I mean, what are your thoughts on you know, someone seen something that is perhaps either their own life or maybe it's an ancestor's life or, you know, how does that correlate with the concept of time travel to you? Because from one perspective, if there is no time, it's all happening now. You're, you know what I mean? So those beings exist on some other, it's like we're tuned to the radio station that is, you know, uh, Pablo and Dalian and Brandon in 2015 having this conversation and that is happening in the eternal moment of now from from my pers- from my perspective and and I think many others that everything is going on now so it's but in a sense it's time travel as well because it's in another linear time and space yeah. i mean what what would you say about those those I don't things know. That- it feels to me like so time travel to me and time and space linear time and space time travel to me happens when all the veils disappear and it really is the accessibility to all of time now. Mm -hmm. Um, But all the veils have to be gone for that ability to happen, or maybe it can happen for some in dreams. 
or, or in some other elevated states of consciousness. For me, time travel happens in medicine work because all the veils go away. So I can travel to other points in time in history. It happens to me a lot where I get to see other you know, time periods in history. Um, and some of that is very healing. Some of, it's, some of it is just beautiful icing on the cake that I'm grateful to have the opening to be able to go there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Like watching a great movie or something. Yeah, <laughs> but to me, it's kind of like time happens linear and nonlinear. Yes. It's kind of all happening Both. at the same time. Right? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think that's actually the uh, illusory nature, nature of time, because I've heard that referred to before, but uh, I think it's the uh, linear sort of side to it that is, is really the more... Uh, you could say illusory in the sense that uh, there's this other dimension of time, which is all time exists simultaneously. So uh, it's, if, if one is true, then the other one seems like a sort of a optical illusion, if you will. Right. It's a like tool. it's it's has a very relative sort of reality. It's but that's a very, only if you that's more sort of a little bit in the duality world, because. Yeah. Because my truth yeah, is uh-huh. my truth is in the giant spider web of all realities. Everything can exist right next to each other. Right. So linear time can exist right next to all time, which can exist next to no time. You know, or it reminds me of the you know what I've heard referred to as a divine dichotomy. You know, like two apparently contradictory uh, statements, like you and I are separate, which is obvious, as you sit over there and I sit over here, and you and I are one. Yeah. You know, both statements are true. Yeah. Uh, depending on what perspective you're looking at reality through, what lens or you're the, looking right. through. So the idea that something's real and unreal. So to me, medicine work allows us to not judge or and 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 hold back from drawing those specific, making those statements and drawing those lines of separation mm-hmm. to say that it's all possible. Yeah. Right now, it is all actually happening. It's like yes. It's not, it's not even that it's possible. Yeah. It's just happening. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So how does, you know, how does God play into all of this Mm. for you? And I know we've talked a little bit about source and, and God consciousness and beat around the bush to some higher self. I mean, it's many ways to say, I think the same thing. And, but I'd be curious to just hear what, you know, everybody's got their take. Yeah, exactly. I want to hear yours. (laughs) My take is like, it's kind of like this. If I were to draw a picture, it would look like this giant sort of clear but ginormous, almost filling everything and touching everything blob of super high intelligence, creativity, and love blob. Mm-hmm. And we're all sort of connected. We're all like little raindrops connected through a little like dew portal here. Mm-hmm. So I had somebody say to me, well, you know what you're saying. So I believe in, yes, I believe in higher source. I believe in creator energy for sure. Whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. I don't, you know. So, and I have this one friend of mine who says, "Well, then you believe in separation because you, so you believe there's this thing and it's smarter and more intelligent mm-hmm. and omnipotent and therefore there's separation and so that's why I don't believe in it." And I said, "No, that's not what I believe in. That there's separation. I believe that we're totally all connected to source, but it's like where we're connected. Like crown chakra is sort of maybe the holding place that's connected. We're probably all connected everywhere." But it's like I see it if I were to draw it as like this. We're all like little dewdrops dangling mm-hmm. from the big intelligent blob. Mm-hmm. And we all have access to the information. More ego, less visibility and availability. More Edging surrender, out, yeah. <laughs> more open. Right. All always connected, 
Yeah. But it's how much we can surrender and give it up to the source coming right. through. Right. That's what it's like to me if oh. I were to just draw it. I would agree with that from my perspective. It's, you know, Christ consciousness or Buddha consciousness. It's just, you know, the the channels are very clear to allow that you know, higher self through. And I, I hear what you you said your friend was saying, oh, well, then you believe in separation. And it's, I could see why someone might would say that or get that. But really it's, you know, if we're all one with it and a part of it, this by giving it, by, you know, God consciousness, giving itself uh, different perspectives, it allows, this is, you know, I believe how, we're how God experiences herself, right? Uh, it is we're God godding. We're we're the creator and created rolled into one. You know the experiential aspect of of it, and so it has to create some kind of a context to uh, know itself. Because if it is a blob of love and it's all one, and it's just a blob of love and there's nothing else. Well, then what is that? It's the same as being nothing. It needs context. So separate into small fragments like you know Pablo and Dalian and myself and. Forget where we come from and have amnesia and then kind of stumble around and try and figure it out and and bump our head a lot of times and hurt ourselves and experience fear and pain and negativity. Then wake up to the truth and reconnect and open up and clear out those channels. Now it means something gives it context. And that's the like that we're all many. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just like the religions. You know, why you know, there's people who are like, Well, I don't I don't believe in God, or why would God create three religions, three major monotheistic religions that are battling each other through the centuries. And my take on it is just that, you know, it's all the same thing. It's all the same God. And that the, the, the evolving of it, the stepping in is about all finally coming to just respect each other's views on the pathways to that same God. Yeah. You know, yeah. like when it comes, finally, when there's a time of peace will be when all can just accept everybody else's and allow them to believe what they want to believe, whatever their, whoever their prophets are. Yeah. I, I think we'll come to, I believe we'll come to a time when people will realize this connect, you know, ego has been the dominant uh, factor in for, for eons. And I think we're coming to a time and place in history, unprecedented time and place where people are waking up to hold on. There is more of a connection. There is what I do to you, I'm doing to an extension of self. And that's why I'll feel the energetic repercussions of my actions. I think people are coming to a time where more and more people, you know, for me, I'm trying to make it foundational in my experience. The, the concept of everywhere I go, I'm there waiting for myself. It's just another me, you know, reflecting back something that I need to see reflected back. Yeah. I think that helps you too. And and once you start applying that concept to your life, it's like, you know, don't believe me, try that approach to life out. And I think, uh, and it speaks for itself. It, it, it is, is truly empowering. It sounds like a deliberate, uh, intention to see beyond the illusion. It's like, you're saying, Nope, you know, I know that, you know, this person appears separate to me, but Nope, I don't, I don't believe that. And the more they act separate, the more they act fear-based or egotistical, or it's just, it's not that they're bad or anything like that. It's they're playing the role they're meant to play. It's how I react to that, how I deal with that. And, uh, I, you know, that for me has been a huge shift to someone who's always, you know, uh, whose ego has always liked to show its intelligence and how much it can be right and prove itself right. You know, nine out of 10 times with whoever I'm going up against. And I've really had a shift in the last year or so the last six months, a lot, um, where it's like, 
it's not about being right. It's about how I deal with what's being presented to me. And I've transcended some really difficult situations that way. And it feels like a whole new opening for me. And I'll tell you one thing I, I like to suggest to folks is, especially to people who have no connection, creator connection, mm-hmm. um, no, no sort of divine inspiration in their life. I like to say, listen, one thing, please just do yourself a favor. Don't close off to the possibility. Yeah. If you don't believe that there's a creator energy, okay, because you maybe haven't had that connection yet. Okay. I understand that. But don't allow yourself to go into, it doesn't exist. I don't believe it and it doesn't exist. Leave a crack, a little crack in the doorway open because you're going to find at some point that that little crack is actually the entirety of existence. (laughs) Right. So leave the crack or you're going to be kicking yourself. Leave the door cracked, guys. Don't shut it down. You will be kicking yourself. And that's one of the first things I say on the very first podcast is, hey, we're going to present some ideas and concepts you know, uh, here that you may not agree with and that's fine. Just remain open. Just listen with an open mind and heart. And, um, I think if you can have that perspective, everyone ultimately will, that crack will lead to something yeah. that widens, you know, I think it's just inevitable. That's the big butt crack of life. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Exactly. Well, this has gone on. We've been talking for quite some time. This has been an absolutely fascinating conversation and, uh, you know, I would like to get into some more, some other things. Maybe we'll do this again down the road yeah. in the coming months or so. You know, sacred contracts and archetypes are some things that we've talked about that are really fascinating. I'd like to get in more with you on another podcast in the future. So we'll definitely uh, visit with you again, Pablo. And one last question that I would like to throw out that I always ask everyone as well in 60 seconds or less. And Everyone always goes over 60 seconds, so that's fine. Uh, if you do, what is the meaning of life, according to Pablo? Um, to me, the meaning of life is freedom. Mm, and to me, freedom and power go hand in hand. To me, power, the definition of power mm-hmm. is understanding and gaining the awareness of our pat- our destructive patterns. Okay. And that's the first awareness to freedom and power. And then re- being able to rewrite all the stories. So to me, the meaning of life is freedom. Okay, beautiful. Because within freedom, obviously, is the context of surrender mm-hmm. and divine energy and all that. So it's really to me about freedom. Beautiful. Well, once again, thank you so much for being with us uh, on this podcast. This is, you know, a subject that is near and dear to my heart. And you've certainly opened me up to some of this work and, you know, we've formed a, haven't known each other a too terribly uh, long amount of time, but uh, I definitely feel a, a really great connection with you and, and, you know, appreciate you as a friend and a brother. And uh, I look forward to, you know, learning and continuing to grow with you. And some secret projects that we will be revealing on, on an upcoming uh, episode of yours. Yes. At some point in time, we will reveal some beautiful projects that we're working on to be yeah. revealed when the time is right. Absolutely. Oh, some, sounds exciting. Some beautiful, <laughs> beautiful things in the work, in the work. So uh, thank you guys all for listening. And, you know, until next time, remember, as long as you ain't dead, you're already positive ahead. <laughs> be well, everyone.